Hello, friends. Welcome to the Industrial Marketing Show, the number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing space. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Schinella. And I'm MJ Peters. And MJ, today we are joined by the highly sought after and in demand, Ashley Gattuso, Director of Marketing at Simple Focus. What is up, Ashley? Hi. What What is up is me in a new state. I just moved from Florida to Mississippi a few weeks ago. So things are like being moved in daily. Like we celebrate the fact that we have a bed off of the floor after this past weekend. So lots going on in the Ashley Gattuso world and the Simple Focus software world. Awesome. Well, hopefully soon I'll be able to celebrate your new rug. I, uh, I hope that uh, hope that happens pretty soon. Yes. Um, Maybe that my audio would have improved for this recording, but I'll try to I'll try to make some good points without without proper flooring or sound, but that's okay. <laughs> um, all right, so I want I want to start first. I, I want to actually get into newsletters, and then uh, we can we, we can talk a little about you because I, I brought you on to the show today because newsletters are they seem to just be kind of back in vogue, you know, like people seem to want to create newsletters. I guess being inspired by the unicorns of the world, the morning brews and the Robin Hood snacks. Like people think we can create a great newsletter again. And so I couldn't think of anyone better to bring on the show than you, uh, who literally concocted newsletter fest last month. And so um, I want you to just start by talking about why you love newsletters so much. What, what gets you so excited about the newsletter in the first place? Mm, okay. So I think it stems back to my like journalism background. I was editor in chief of my high school newspaper, right? We that was at a time when we actually printed on WordPerfect in columns that we measured. We cut those out. We took them to our local newspaper that printed on site and put them on wax paper. Like we laid out the newsletter by hand after printing it, right? And so I kind of fell in love with this concept of being the person delivering the information the audience around me was consuming. Um, we had a lot of fun with things like the, the April Fool's issue and love notes and things like that. But it was just kind of innate in me to want to report on what I was interested in and what the people around me were interested in. So that kind of stayed with me in, in undergrad. I was a journal. No, I was not a journalism major. We didn't have a journalism major. So I was a, um, an English lit major with, with a um, concentration. You couldn't call it a minor if there wasn't a major offered in it. So I had to concentrate in creative writing Again, man, I didn't know we both had the same undergrad, um, basically focus. That's awesome. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And so I concentrated in creative writing and I, um, I challenged myself to do an honors project, which was like three semesters starting your second semester of your junior year, I think. And, um, I tackled this new genre, um, creative nonfiction. And so I did this huge product project studying the art of applying the elements of fiction writing, like plot, narrative, the things that engage a reader, right? Tell a story to real life occurrences. 
So I spent a lot of time um, reading from the greats and, and it kind of spanned like Mark Twain's nonfiction, Virginia Woolf's nonfiction, and then um, modern day things that like David Sedaris was kind of like making a name for himself as this memoir writer. And so it was kind of like, what is this fourth genre? How do we define it? And I, I fell in love with that because that meant that you could, you could apply creative writing to nonfiction storytelling. And I went to NYU for my master's, like right after um, undergrad and studied journalism there to kind of have like a, a skill I could go get a job with, right? Because I was very liberal arts undergrad. And so this was going to be like my utilitarian degree. Um, and it felt just more of a continuation of that. And I had spent some time interning at magazines and editing our college newspaper. So I'd had some time behind the wheel of working with writers and nurturing um, them to, to find like patterns in their writing and ways of expressing something in a more creative, fun to read way. And so I went the magazine journalism route and spent uh, quite a few years in magazine journalism before changing over and being a copywriter and like moving to the dark side, which at that time was um, circuitcity.com. And so I did, uh, I guess, copywriting for the, the website at a time when SEO was this newfangled thing and Amazon was just eating up their market share and eventually moved out of that, had children, had a freelance career, helped my husband launch a business. And I did his marketing using the story brand methodology before I even knew what it was because he was taking people on metal detecting guided tours. So they were the hero. He was the guide. It all played out. And we focused heavily on using new channels like Facebook and YouTube and a blog to really build out content that his audience truly engaged with. And I spun that up into a SaaS marketing career um, over the last several years, just kind of applying those same principles. During my freelancing years, I did put out um, newsletters for multiple publications or come in and edit those or, or strategize those. And I think what I love about a newsletter is that you typically are sending it to someone who wants to receive it right? There's like this concept of opting in to get your latest content versus this hoping someone finds it. So you're at a different point in a relationship when someone opts in to receive something from you. And I feel like above, um, you know, beyond like person to person conversation, that newsletter has, it's like this medium that can connect one to many in a way that you usually connect one to one. So I love newsletters that inform me, that educate me, that make me smile when I see them in my inbox. And I, I strive to help others achieve that end goal of being the thing in someone's email inbox that makes them smile because they know when they open it, there's going to be stuff in there that they can consume and gobble up and use. So, Matt, uh, I'm curious why you thought, um, obviously, Ashley is the newsletter guru, but um, why do you think that newsletters are an interesting topic specifically for our audience of industrial marketers? Because it's, um, 
It's interesting. I, I don't, I uh, can't come up with any examples of industrial companies that use newsletters very well. And I'm curious what you see as the potential. And then maybe Ashley can comment on, you know, how she might execute or take advantage of that. So I look at newsletters, first off, I think I look at newsletters as just an opportunity for a lot of industrial companies because so many use it just as a product pushing mechanism. I think of like some of the main newsletters I remember seeing when I worked in the industrial space, it was like Lincoln Electric. Um, Siemens is another one who has their own newsletter and it's primarily them pumping their own content out. And the perspective that I appreciate from Ashley, and you can speak to it more if you'd like to, is 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 the idea of, and we do this a lot at Gorilla, like our newsletters is very effective. And, and one of the reasons why it is, is because we do a lot of content curation through the newsletter to distribute out to our audience. So it doesn't necessarily have to be Gorilla-based content, or sometimes it's just a long thought from, from Joe, our founder, and then we'll curate additional content through through our um, sort of sort of through the stuff we've been creating. But I see a lot of newsletters in the industrial space, the ones that I've seen, primarily they use it as almost an extension of a catalog for themselves. And so I look at newsletters as as a way to it's it's another content distribution strategy. Um, I think it's a really good way to start with your email marketing because I think a lot of email marketing in industrial is not very good. And it's all comes down to like to intent and into sort of building a program that's it's made the that's made the last. And so I look at it as an untapped opportunity for a lot of, of, of industrial companies that really is it's definitely work, don't get me wrong, but it's it's also a way to to sort of give your audience useful content that they maybe otherwise wouldn't be aware of and you can become um, a resource that's trusted without necessarily having to sell and just being in people's inbox like, you know, once once a week, uh, twice a month something of that nature. Um actually, I don't know if you want to you want to add to that or if you have a different take on that. But mm. overall, my feeling is just it's it's a it's an opportunity that's largely untapped amongst the audience. Sure. So first of all, MJ and Matt, like you call me a newsletter guru, which I maybe I have like extreme imposter syndrome, but I kind of laugh at that because I have somehow gotten this sort of title by actually curating content from people who know a lot more about newsletters than I do in a newsletter about newsletters. So essentially as a marketer, my role with Curated, which is a newsletter platform, uh, is to find out what my audience wants, right? Find the experts that they should turn to. Who can I share good information from uh, and give to them and help them with their newsletters, right? So it became like pretty obvious and meta that we needed to use Curated to create a newsletter about newsletters so that um, we were both showing what the product can do and helping people um, in their newsletter journey. I think you're right, Matt, that there is an opportunity. Um, you know, it costs more. It costs more to get a new customer than it does to retain one, right? And I think that people overlook newsletter as a retention strategy. I don't know if that is necessarily the case in the manufacturing industry, but I think that um, across a lot of industries, there is this moment in the customer's life that they 
they are not marketed to in the same way that they were when they were um, being acquired, right? Like when they went through this whole, like, we care so much about you. We're sending you this content. Uh, we want you to know and trust us so that you will buy from us. Kind of, I think that that some businesses can get in trouble when they've been purchased from once and making this assumption that that's, that's the relationship's end. Like they've earned that person's loyalty for life. So I feel like um, it could be something that uh, your listeners can be using not just for customer acquisition and marketing in that direction, but also for customer retention and making sure that that they remain a trusted source uh, in that that person's um, content consumption cycles or whatever they're going through so that they are frequently reminded that they like you for a reason that's beyond a price point. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point that should resonate with a lot of people listening to this. And I think I want to call out two things in particular that are true about a lot of industrial companies that make this medium interesting. The first one is that your engineering team is probably making changes and product lifecycle updates to your product line all the time. And your sales team cannot possibly communicate all of those changes to all of your customers all of the time. And so I think a lot of customers are sitting there thinking, like, I don't know what's going on. And a newsletter is a great way to keep them in the know about what is going on. Uh, Your sales team will love you for it because their customers will be more educated. And when your customers feel like they're connected to you, they'll buy more over time and you'll increase the average lifetime value of each customer, which is pertinent because of point number two, which is a lot of industrial companies serve super niche markets. So like going out and acquiring new customers might not be as viable of a strategy as growing the lifetime value of existing customers. Uh, Now, actually, I want to um, get down to brass tacks a little bit here because I think um, so many manufacturers have tons of emails. Like they have all these email lists, like buried in databases all over the place. Huge email um, lists. <laughs> they already have the contacts to, to, to launch off and do a great newsletter. But like, what, what would you do if you had a bunch of um, emails in like your uh, billing system or like an old CRM and you don't know if they're good emails or bad emails, but you like want to start building your list for a newsletter, what, what would be the first steps that you would take? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've dealt with this before and I, I kind of err on the side of, I want people on my newsletter list who want to be on my newsletter list, right? Um, there, there's this moment when someone gets that fifth email that they didn't opt into where they like the rage comes out, Right. Yeah, And so I feel like when you've got a large list that, um, you know, if, if you can clean it in some way, like using zero bounce or something to, to get rid of the, the junk emails on that list, or if you can look back at the history and kind of refine it somewhat, that that might be a good filter to use before you send. But my, my approach in the past has been to be very, very transparent with that list. And I've talked to people who have done this when they have purchased a business that has a list, like they purchased a newsletter business, and now they are going to let that business, um, that list know that 
they're sending this other newsletter instead of that one or, or something along those lines. And you can't just start sending them your other business newsletter. You have to get them to opt into it, right? So the the same thing would apply kind of in 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 my mind in this way is that you send something that says like, hey, this is the first issue of a newsletter we're launching. We'd love your feedback. If you want to like give them either the option to opt into it from there. So use it as like a very, like we're sending to the large list We're we're going to see what percentage of people open and click through, or you can send it and um, use this other way, which is like, you're getting this because you're on our customer list. If you would like to op- unsubscribe from just this list, you're free to do so. But you need to make it very easy for them to kind of either make the choice to opt in or to be aware if they if they scroll to see why they've gotten it to make a decision like I either want to unsubscribe or yes, I'm okay with receiving this. So you kind of need to be super transparent in that. And I would put together a, a test, like a really strong newsletter, get your strategy together, decide on some content that you think they will find very valuable. And we can talk about what people do and don't find valuable about company newsletters. Um, but, but I would go in with your best stuff, right? Because this is going to be that moment in which they either decide to, to keep receiving it or not. I don't know. Have you ever... Have you ever transitioned someone onto a newsletter list that's just kind of in the CRM and stale and had a bad yeah. experience? Usually doesn't work out very well for my, I mean, from my experience, at least you want to try to get them to opt in willingly. As opposed mm-hmm. to, like you said, the rage, the rage definitely comes out. Um, I yeah, to- so I, I use it as an opportunity to be very like, hi, we're trying something new. We would love to know your feedback, get them responding, get them, get the like gut check reaction from them. If, if I were to send you more of this content at this cadence, would that, would you be happy with that? Or is that something you're not interested in? Right, I just think yeah. it's, it's confronting the obvious, right? It's like, look, we're we're starting a newsletter. You're on our you're on our current list. We're sending this to you as a test balloon. You are free to you know get out of this at will or give us feedback on it to make it better, and you know mm-hmm. just let us let us know your thoughts on it. I wanted to ask because I, I feel like I almost put almost put the cart before the horse on the question. Um, I wanted to get into sort of like your guiding principles for creating a newsletter in the first place. I know the one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is because, you know, MJ, we did an episode just last week on quality versus quantity on content. And I think one of the things about the newsletter that I like is the concept of, of curation. Cause with a lot of our listeners, a lot of our audience, we have a lot of marketing managers or marketing coordinators or one or two person groups, and they don't have time to, you know, make a ton of content. And so sometimes curation is one of the best ways to make sure that you're getting content out to your target audience. Um, even if that's even if that's internal to your current to your current list. And so actually I wanted to to ask you a little bit about um I I know a little bit about your approach to this, um, some of your guiding principles regarding launching a newsletter program. Okay. So number one, everyone who's working on it needs to agree it's important right? Um, If it's something that you throw together at the last minute, 
you won't love doing it and you won't be proud of it. So you have to, to all agree that it's important and you need to agree on goals. So we can talk about goals now or we can talk about them later, but they need to be clearly established. And I will just hint that like the number one goal of any newsletter should be furthering the sender recipient relationship. But you've got to decide if that's a segment of your customer base, the entire customer base. Um, and you need to see if decide if you want to create something that serves everyone or if you have like different versions. If your goal is to boost conversions, you probably need to like consider the fact that your promotions may work better when paired with editorial content. So this goes back to what you were talking about, like the newsletter is actually a product catalog. It's not really an editorial newsletter. And one thing that I firmly believe in in a newsletter, if you're going to call it a newsletter versus a marketing email, is that it's it's one of an issue that gets sent out at a set cadence that delivers typically 90% editorial content and 10% promotional. You could tweak that to 80-20, but the, the newsletter itself gets a higher open rate. We have seen that editorial Real. newsletters get higher open rates than promotional emails. In um, the like benchmarks that exist out there online, uh, you want to see higher than 20% right? And 30% is like magic. I think I found that manufacturing, um, that the average email open rate, marketing email open rate was about 23%. So people who use curated, which is sending just email newsletters, and this is just data I can source from within our platform. We have an average open rate of 40% to like sometimes 44%, depending on when in the year we're checking that, right? And it goes down to um, about 30% when the list gets over uh, somewhere about 25,000 or something like that. So essentially, people are more willing to read uh, editorial content than they are promotional content. And I think I've shared this analogy with you before, Matt, but what, what editorial content does is earns you the right to be promotional. Because they're less likely to opt out of that promotional email or they're more likely to open it. If you send them staggered, like we send a, an editorial type newsletter every two weeks, we send a promotion once a month, like they're more likely to open that promotional email because they're used to the good quality content that they're getting in the editorial newsletter. And so the analogy is when you feed a toddler or a, or a baby, right? And you are trying to sneak in the peas, which is just this bitter thing that people don't always want. You know, it's good for you. But the baby, you typically will give like a spoon of applesauce or something sweet that they enjoy. And that's the, that's the editorial newsletter. And then you give them the peas, and sometimes they spit the peas out, but sometimes they eat them because they, they know you've created an expectation from them for you to send good things, right? And if you are aligning your editorial newsletter content really well with what your audience cares about, suddenly those peas don't taste quite as bad 
right? Suddenly they're kind of like exactly right because you've hit the nail on the head to mix analogies here. Um, you, you have taught an audience to expect good things from you. And now that promotional email is another good thing. Does that make sense? Are we still on a call? Matt, I think you're on mute. Oh. Oh, I am on mute. Sorry. (laughs) First off, speak for yourself. I love peas. As do do my children. Um, But um, yeah, I I wanted to to pivot or segue into goals because I think you know, you're a marketing, you're, you're a marketer. You go to your, you go to your president and go, I want to start a newsletter. And they go, okay, what's the goal of the newsletter? And then you're like, um, to get people to read it. So uh, give me a sense a little bit of how you approach the conversation of appropriate goals, goals that, you know, would, um, get a, get your superior excited about it. Tell, tell me a little bit how you talk like talk about managing goals and expectations around a newsletter. Okay. So first you want to look at what you are sending in the first place and have that in your back pocket. Like however you want this report um, of what your typical email sends are like, how they perform those open rates, those click rates, some things along those lines, the conversion rates that you can attribute to those email sends. And if your goal is like, we want um, to improve retention, then you need to be able to, to kind of know what your retention rate is right now, right? Like people uh, drop off at wherever. I don't know if um, that makes as much sense because I come from this very subscription-based background, but um, I'm sure that within different companies, there are like upsell and opportunities um, to, to sell more to someone that you would be able to pull data from, right? You want to have that data at the ready and you want to set goals for improving those numbers and kind of have it go down the line. Now, one thing I want to warn everyone about is that open rates as the indicator of how healthy your emails and your newsletters are, that's about to be something we can't rely on. Because of Apple's uh, mail privacy protection updates with the next release, so essentially what um, what they're going to do is going to make everyone who opts in to not be tracked in Apple Mail, which is a good percentage of email readers, um, that those are going to appear as opens, even if they weren't opened, right? So now, now we're going to have really inflated open rates. So you are probably going to have historic open rates and report on those until this rolls out in the fall. But you want to also be looking at your click rates. And anything that's impacted by open rate will also be um, negatively impacted, right? So if you're looking at something like click to open rate, um, that may no longer be available. You may have to go back to just click rate, like the the percentage of people that you that opened from the whole mass of people who are subscribed that you sent it to, right? right? But you want to set up these numbers and set up your goals of like what kind of um, it's really easy with another product we have, which is ARPU, which sends out like these 
shipment notification emails because we improve ROI because the upsell is right in the email. It's not as easy. It's a little bit more of a dark funnel with this where you're going to have to say, here are the metrics we want to improve. We think that giving our customers a monthly or a fortnightly or a weekly newsletter to um, to stay in touch with them, to increase the open rates on our promotion or the engagement on our promotion, our promotions that are within the newsletter and our promotional emails are going to improve when we launch this newsletter, right? So you're going to have to set it up that way. And then you're going to have to look for ways to correlate um, an improved uh, engagement on your promotions both within your promotional emails and your um, your your upsells or the things that you said were your goals. Shout out to the dark funnel, by the way. I love the drop. <laughs> it's there and it's it's now an email. I saw a great meme the other day um, that was like a woman walking a granny in a like the the granny was using a walker, and it was like. Back in my day, you could tell who opened your emails. That is life now. <laughs> um, so, so I want to wrap with one final question, um, which is what are some of the traps people fall into when they decide that newsletters are for them? And uh, specifically, are there any types of businesses or teams where you would not recommend trying a newsletter and you'd recommend they stick to other tactics? Mm. Okay. So I think the trap that a lot of people fall into is making their newsletter about them, their company, yep. instead of about the recipient. So yep. they don't write for their readers and then they get, they get super corporate with their tone and voice and it just doesn't resonate. It creates this like um, distance instead of an intimacy. And the goal of the newsletter is that intimacy. Um, sometimes they're doing it because they've always done it. And they don't really put genuine effort into making it amazing. They'll just settle for good enough. And it's kind of like at that point, it's being sent because the CEO wants it sent. Right? Not because they believe it's, it's making any difference. I think also some mistakes you can make is not actually talking to readers in person and getting their feedback on it. Of course, they can reply to you, but you should be doing interviews that you end up linking to in your newsletter um, that um, get you some feedback on, on what it is that your audience wants. Because the faster you can understand what they like, um, and we have a summary report for this that tells me which categories within my newsletter get clicks and are more popular than others. So if I have multiple categories in there, I can sort of try to change um, change up those in the future based on, on which ones are getting the most engagement. Like, oh, they probably want more tips than interviews or the, it would probably be the, ver the opposite of that. But you can look at that. Other mistakes I think people make is they don't format them very well, and they become very difficult to read. You should be expecting skimmers and readers and using headers and subheads and formatting that allows one reader the ability to scan the email 
and another, the ability to go in depth. Now, one thing that I think has changed in the last several years is your reader's willingness to scroll to the bottom of your newsletter. And I think this is because I read a great article um, about this. The, the sentiment of the article, I can't remember who wrote it, was that social media has um, conditioned us to scroll because we expect, like if we don't like what we see on our device screen, we think there will be something below that that we might, right? So that's an instance where social media behavior has impacted email behavior. And now it is smarter to put the content that you really want people to take away from your brand in the newsletter versus linked out. Um, Another mistake that people make is thinking that they have to write each piece of content that is in there. Newsletter is a great way to MVP content topics and then um, do what Scott Rogerson from UpContent calls fattening the right tail. So you would you would find links to industry news that your your readers should be interested in. If you are doing this habitually, you are learning as a team what their world is like, right? So it's kind of an added bonus. But when you see them engaging heavily with an article that you didn't spend the time to write, but you summarized it or contextualized it for them or gave them a point of view that your brand has on this particular happening that you're sharing with them, if you see clicks to that, if you see engagement, then you can determine if that is an SEO play that you want to make and actually put budget toward a, a good quality blog article on that, that keyword or that concept. Um, sometimes another mistake that people make is that they, they don't send it from a person. They send it from mm-hmm. like the company. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. it, that's that's this whole distancing thing where it feels like there's a, a wall between us that there shouldn't be, especially because of the today's email readers show you a picture. So you can have a person's picture, like a person with the brand logo. Like you can do a lot of interesting things. Trello uses a dog named Taco to send their emails so you're, you're oh, yeah, taking, they do. I remember getting talking from Trello. Yeah. So like you can think about the ways that you, the things that you would want your friend to share with you in email and how your newsletter can be more like that. Um, and that goes from using a photo or having a person write it or a personal introduction. Uh, people love to look behind the scenes of a company and understand how the CEO thinks and why. Um, so you can get creative content in there that really strengthens the sender recipient relationship. And then um, another big mistake Matt has pointed out is making your newsletter a product catalog, which I think is just an inherited um, 
mistake that maybe wasn't a mistake when email wasn't as saturated as it was, as it is now, excuse me, because you could just say like, okay, we're going to put all our new um, products in here, or, or we're just going to send these same 10 products every month, make sure people know about them. Now that's, that's less interesting than the other things that are in their email. So you've really got to think about positioning your newsletter. And and this is a struggle for a lot of people because they often like marketers spend a lot of time positioning their product. And then they're like, Oh gosh, we have to, we have to position our newsletter too. But if you have a strategic narrative that differentiates your product, like no one could go to your website and read the content and it, mistake it for another brand, right? Like that's our goal is we want our content and our website and our branding to be so unique that someone would not go and read the the blog article from your competitor and mistake it for yours, right? You want to have something, a spin on there, but they forget to bring that into the newsletter. And that requires that requires the positioning uh, research work and, and build, going through that framework of like what else is out there that the people who read this might be reading. How could we be uniquely different? Is there a way to come up with a competitive um, advantage that would make this the thing they they don't unsubscribe from? Like the the, the news they prefer. How do we become a part of their their routine and their habit. I think one other thing, this is the thing, this is something that almost every marketing program suffers from is you don't give a program like a newsletter enough time. So mm. let's say you have like, we're going to start a newsletter. We're going to send it twice a month and you send six and you have 25 subscribers after three months. And then it's like, let's kill it. It's not working. Well, you're not giving it much opportunity, I think, to sort of come into its own a little bit as a as a distribution channel for yourself. I think you have to give like any program, you have to give this, you have to give something like a like a newsletter time to breathe, time to find its identity. Yes, you have a you have a narrative and a position going into it, but it's something that will develop with a feedback loop um, that you hopefully will get from the people mm-hmm. who are who are reading it. And so I think a newsletter like almost any program needs time to come into its own and to, and to kind of get its legs. And so I would caution anyone who wants to do one um, to make sure you give it enough time to, to sort of develop its own identity as a, as a content arm for you. That would be, that would be my other, other takeaway. Yeah. And I think where, what that prompts me to say is like, don't be afraid to try new things and let the newsletter evolve. It's a great way to MVP an idea. Like when we launched Newsletter Fest, the first thing we did was just a landing page for the newsletter. Like, hey, let us know if you're interested in this event. We're thinking it's a couple of days. It turned into a week because we had so much interest, right? And so um, there's there's a question that MJ asked that I just remembered that we kind of didn't hit on. And that was, is there a time not to do a newsletter, right? Or is, are there industries, not reasons not to, to send newsletters? And I think what you have to be realistic about is um, how it's going to help you achieve your goals, whether now is the right time to launch or to relaunch whatever has been like 
sent every month for the last two years, but isn't amazing and people consider it a time drain? And how do you turn it into a thing that people on your team get excited about because you are able to prove it's producing results and you are also willing to wait to see those results? And I think one important thing beyond curation and not trying to write everything yourself is giving yourself some grace, but also thinking about it in terms of your larger content strategy and not pressuring yourself to create new just for the newsletter, right? You should be scaling all of your content, whatever videos you're recording, Like pieces of those should be going on social. Pieces of those should be going in your newsletter, right? So to me, it's another channel, another thing that you need to add in instead of like living on its island. And then at the end of the cadence between newsletters, you go, oh, what can go in the newsletter, right? Like build out some segments that are fun, that like aren't necessarily anything that sell your your product. Like I saw a great idea the other day and it was by this guy who he teaches writers how to how to write better and improve their process. And we came up with it was like a workshop I was doing with him and we came up with this idea that he could put a quote at the top of his newsletter from a semi-famous or famous writer and then um have it be like a, who said, who wrote this and the answer be at the end of the email. Right. And so what is that for your audience? Like, what is the trivia that they would be interested in knowing? It doesn't all have to be serious. Like here's the news that impacts your industry. It could be like things about the influential people in their industry and what kind of dogs they have, you know, like it, it can, it can have that human touch that makes it feel more like something that comes from a media group than, um, than a company. And I think that's why, you know, like HubSpot bought the hustle because they were killing it in that format in a way that HubSpot saw as valuable. That's why social media is trying to get on the newsletter bandwagon Everyone's excited about what you can do when you send an authentic and genuine email that that has like a human touch and the ability to to connect directly with your your consumer. You said it like they're authentic and human, which I think is is obviously the the key to getting that off the ground. Uh, Ashley Ashley Gattuso, director of marketing, Simple Focus. Ashley, thanks so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Tell the people how they can get in touch with you real quick. Um, go find me on LinkedIn. Ashley Gattuso is um, G-U-T-T-U-S-O or subscribe to my newsletter about newsletters, optinweekly.com. All right. Hopefully that rug gets there soon. Uh, appreciate I'm excited. <laughs> you can catch the Industrial Marketing Show on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. Please subscribe to the Industrial Marketing Show. Please leave us, please leave us a five-star review. Please leave us a written review. Please tell MJ and myself how great our show is or how much it is not great. Um, thank you all so much for your time. Again, another week. We appreciate your, your listenership and, uh, and as always, your feedback. And so with that, I am Matt. And I'm MJ. And this is the Industrial Marketing Show. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.